Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center podcast. For more information about the church and our ministries, go to bluffcityawc.com. And you can follow us on Facebook by liking our Facebook page, Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center, and find us on Instagram with our Instagram handle, bluffcityawc. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, just going to read one verse, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of summarize the rest here in just a moment. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 in the New King James Version says, Now when the people saw that Moses had delayed coming down from the mountain, Moses was up on Mount Sinai, and he was interacting with God and receiving the Ten Commandments. And when the people saw that Moses had delayed coming down from the mountain, The people gathered together to Aaron, Moses' brother, the high priest, and they said to Aaron, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. We do not know what has become of him. Let's lift up our hands all over this place right now and go to the Lord in prayer. He's here with us. Let's ask that he would powerfully accompany his word right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we're here today, and I pray that you would open up our ears and our understanding. Every person that's gathered together here and even those that are watching, Lord, online right now, Lord, that you would open up our understanding and our revelation to your word and that your spirit, Lord, would meet us in this place and impress a word from heaven on our spirits and on our souls, Lord. I pray that we would be forever changed by your word, by the ministry of your word, by the ministry of your spirit. Lord, make us more and make us conformable to your image. In Jesus' name, let it be so. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai. God had called him to that mountaintop to interact with him and to deliver to Moses the Ten Commandments. Moses was up there for a long time. He was up there for many days. And as the time went on, the people at the base of the mountain, the people that had been led across the Red Sea out of Egypt, they began to get a little bit restless. They started to murmur a little bit. They started to let anxiety set in. They hadn't seen Moses in weeks. And they started to wonder what had become of this Moses, what was going to become of them. They couldn't reasonably stay here at the base of this mountain forever, they thought. And so they went to Aaron, Moses' brother, the man who had been appointed by God to be the high priest over the nation of Israel. And they said to Aaron, make us a God, make us an image, something we can worship, something we can lay hands on, something we can see, because we don't know what's happened to this Moses character. We don't really know what's going on, and we're getting a little bit anxious, and we would like to have something that can kind of center us and allow us something to worship and interact with that we feel like, at least we feel like we are able to touch something beyond this current world. And Aaron responded to them, and he caved under the pressure of the people. And he, in, he instructed them to bring the gold and the precious metals to him. And they melted it down, and you know the story. They made a graven image. They made a golden calf. 
Well, when the appointed time come and Moses descended from the mountain, he had the two tablets in his hand. He had the tablets of, of the Ten Commandments with him that he had received directly from God. And as he descended the mountain and he walked down those rough mountain slopes, he started to see in the distance what the nation of Israel, what the people that he had left behind those days ago were doing now. And the picture that he saw was a group of people, a nation that was surrounding this golden image that they themselves had constructed. They were worshiping this golden calf. And Moses, understandably, got irate. The Bible says that his anger waxed hot. It's just another way of saying he was in a rage. It upset him so deeply, and it spun his emotions almost out of control. And Moses broke the Ten Commandment slabs. He broke those tablets of stone that God had written with his own hand, the Ten Commandments that he wanted the people of Israel to live by. Moses broke those in pieces whenever he saw what was going on. He saw the betrayal. He saw the unfaithfulness of the people towards God, and he tore the golden calf down, the scriptures say. He tore it down, and he broke it down into pieces, and then he crushed it up, and he ground it up into powder, and he mixed it in with the water supply, and he made the people drink it. Anybody know that story? He made the people drink it. Exodus chapter 33 tells the next chapter of the story after that happened. Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside of the camp, far from the camp. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, if you would like to follow along. And Moses called that tent the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at the door of his tent and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud, that visible representation of the manifest presence of God, that pillar of cloud, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped each man at the door of his tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Everyone say face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. In the book of Exodus, it's notoriously difficult to sequence the events and to kind of put together the narrative and the, the flow of things that are going on because Exodus seems to jump from those personal private moments that Moses is having with God, and then all of a sudden in the next chapter, it snaps open, and you've got a picture of what the entire nation of Israel is doing, and then you might go back to just Moses, and then you might go back. So it, it, it's notoriously kind of difficult to to, to kind of get a flow sometimes in the book of Exodus. But I've always found it interesting that directly after this incident of the golden calf, when Moses flies into a rage, when Moses breaks the tablets, when he tears down the golden calf, he grinds it into powder, he makes the people drink it, his whole world had gotten turned upside down. Everything that he thought was going to 
be the way that it was. He came back down the mountain out of the presence of God, and it wasn't the same way that it had been before. And Moses found that place, and he did what he did. But the very next chapter tells us that Moses' response was not just out of anger. It wasn't just out of a rage or a holy indignation. But Moses set up a tent. Moses started to take the instructions that God had given him for a tabernacle, for a dwelling place among his people, and he started to set up that tent and interact with God, not on the mountaintop, but right there in the middle of the camp. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 33 suggests that this place was a place where anyone who wanted to inquire of the Lord could go. But we only read that Moses did it. And I don't believe it's any accident that the writer of Exodus, who we know to be Moses, the people that helped him arrange it and the way that the Holy Ghost orchestrated the whole story to be told to us. I don't believe it's an accident in the least that the story of the golden calf when everything seemed to be on, its, on life support, when the dream of God's people inheriting a promised land seemed like it was more vulnerable than it had ever been. It doesn't take me by surprise in the least to see that the very next chapter contains a story of the Holy Ghost telling us about when Moses decided to get into the presence of God and build a tabernacle and build a place where he could meet with God face to face like a man speaks to his friend. I want to talk this morning and minister what the Lord has been ministering to me, simply this, that we need to go toward the tent in times of trouble. We need to go toward the tent in times of trouble. When things don't seem like, they, like, like, they, like they're the way they should be, when things get turned upside down, when we leave Sunday morning service and having a moment in the presence of God and we go back out to life and it doesn't feel the way that we left it and even after these few hours there's new stuff happening in the news and there's new developments in this area or that area, I'm telling you that we need to make a habit every day of going back to the presence of God where we can meet with God face to face. And that's where we keep our equilibrium. That's where we keep our footing. That's where we keep the Holy Ghost in our life. When we go to the presence of God in times of trouble, not just on the mountaintop, not just when times are good, not just when the conditions are right, but right there in the middle of a sin-filled camp where the powder from the idol that they had built was still coursing through their systems. Moses went to a place and talked with God face to face. And I want to tell you today, there is a place today that you can go. There is a place that you can go to have that relationship with God. And it doesn't just exist on the mountaintop of a Sunday morning, but it exists down in the trenches of your everyday life. It's down in the camp. It's down in the mess. It's down where you live and where I live. That's where God wants His presence to dwell, church. I don't know that day what was swirling in Moses' mind and in his spirit. His own brother Aaron had betrayed the cause and crumpled under the pressure of the people and had led them in building and allowed this idol to be built. The people had failed. 
There's no other way to say it. The people had failed. There had to have been disappointment, a profound sense of disappointment in Moses' mind and in his spirit. But Moses had a place where he could process the anger, where he could process that disappointment and the hurt and the betrayal. He had a place where he could process the world was changing so rapidly around him. Moses had knew he had a place where he could go. God had given him instructions just a few chapters prior down to the very minute small details of how he was going to construct a tabernacle and how there was going to be a place. God gave him a promise that there was going to be a place where he could meet him in the camp before Moses ever went up the mountain. Before. Somebody hear me today. Before Moses ever went up to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments, God had already given him a promise and given him instructions about how he was going to create a place among his people where he could dwell and meet with him face to face. Before this stuff that's happening in our world ever started to happen, God already gave you a promise and gave you instructions for ways to get with him and be in his presence face to face. Somebody needs to go back to that place today. Somebody needs to revisit that place where you, you, where you can speak with God face to face. God was telling Moses, I'm not relegated to a mountaintop. The God of the mountaintop is the same God down in the valley of the camp. The God of your deliverance across the Red Sea, the God of your new birth experience is the same God of your wilderness. He's the same God that's there at the base of Mount Sinai in the desert when things don't look like they should be going the way they are. God is there with you. And when he took you across the Red Sea, he already had in mind the deliverance and the place that he was going to allow for you to have to experience his presence. Somebody needs to experience his presence today and you need to make up your mind before you leave the building that I'm going to experience his presence every day. Because that is what God has afforded to you. Moses made the people drink. I've always been struck by that. I've never been that mad, Sister Lewis. I've never been so mad that I would have made, I don't think so, that I would have made, I would have crushed up a hunk of metal and ground it up, Brother Jeremy, and made people, made you drink it. I don't think anyone's ever been that mad at me. Hope not. Mercy, that's, that seems extreme. But, Moses did it, and there's probably some deep symbolism behind it, and, 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 and there's probably some stuff that will preach real good. But what, what I do understand is that that stuff was still inside of them. That stuff that he made them drink while he was standing in the tent in the presence of God. There was still, that, there was still a remnant. There was still the residue of that stuff in the camp while God came down. And we're all familiar with the scripture that says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we see, that we see a picture of that happening here in Exodus. Sin still, if you think sin got dealt with the day that he crushed up that idol and made them drink it, and that, that was it, and it was just, they flipped the switch, and that was it, it was over. We all know that's not the way human nature works, right? There were still some issues. There was still some residual junk that was being dealt with. Yea, verily, it was still physically in their system if he, if he did indeed make them drink it, and I believe he did. 
But in the middle of all that, God came down. That pillar of fire came down. That God that had encircled that mountaintop where Moses met with him and received those Ten Commandments, he came down into the middle of that mess and met them there. One of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament, I love this verse, and I think many of you do too, John chapter 1, verse 14. This is where I'm, this is, this is where I'm at today. This is where we're at. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When that, and you've heard me say it before, and it just struck me when I first learned it and I first looked it up for myself, that word dwelt there. It literally just means it's the same word as tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. It's calling us back to that, that picture that we're talking about in Exodus, where God came down in his, among his people. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. Some musicians come this morning. I've come with a very simple message. God is with you. God is with you. And when you're facing times of trouble, when you're facing times of crisis, whether you're looking at a crisis collectively as a society, as we no doubt are in the middle of, but I don't want to downplay perhaps a crisis going on in your life that no one knows about. We've spent a lot of time talking about the collective big picture things that are going on in our world. But just because there's things going on in our world doesn't mean that there haven't been things going on in your life that you need the Holy Ghost to minister to you about. God is with us today. And when you are in trouble, you need to run to the tent. You need to go to where you know the presence of God is. The same God that came down and met them in that tent, in that camp, is here today. That scripture I read from John chapter 1 says that he was full of grace and truth. I love that phrase. Here's what it means, the best that I can understand it. The truth is, Jesus, when you go to that place, you're going to have to face the truth. The truth is that we're sinners. The truth is we still got issues. Truth is we ain't going to be perfect on this side of eternity. That's the truth. The truth is that he's God. There's truth. There's just hard, flat truth. I'm thankful for that. But there's more than just truth. There's grace. Thank God that he didn't get up and walk away from them whenever they started worshiping that gold calf. Thank God he didn't get up and leave me the first time I made a mistake, the first time there was a crisis in my life that I didn't respond very well to, or maybe it was my own doing, and I'm the one that brought it to pass. Thank God he didn't walk off and leave you. Let's stand across this building right now. I want our prayer to be this today. We're, you're a praying people. We've had tremendous moves of God these past several Sundays in this room, and it's because you are committed to prayer and you know how to respond to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is here right now. And underneath the surface, we don't know what each one of us is dealing with, but we need to go to that place. Can we go to that place right now, that tent, that place where God's presence dwells? Let's, let's call out to the Lord right now. You can lift up your hand. You can 
get in your seat and, and kneel down, whatever you would like to do. I know we can't gather up around here and bunch up, but the Holy Ghost has been moving in these past several Sundays. The Holy Ghost wants to minister today. You might be in a time of crisis. You might be in a time of trouble. Maybe like Moses, your emotion is running high. I don't know. I can't see beyond the surface so many times, but the Holy Ghost can. And the Holy Ghost has provided a way for God to heal the disappointment, to heal the betrayal, to heal the things that you didn't think were going to go the way they are, but here they are anyways. The Holy Ghost wants to meet you in this place today. In Jesus' name, why don't you just use your voice right now and call out to the Lord? Because if there's trouble in your life, you need to take a trip to the tent today. You need to go. The Holy Ghost, God says, I have come and I've tabernacled. I've dwelt among you. He's God with us. We have a promise today. He's here in this place. He's the God of your deliverance. He's the God of your wilderness. He's the God of the good times. He's the God of the bad times. He's the God of the mountaintop, and He's the God of the valley. There are still promises today that God has for you, for your family. There's renewed strength for you today, for your emotions, for your body, for your mind. You just need to reach out and grab a hold of the promises of God today and say, Lord, I want to go back to that place. I need to go to that place. It's just a step away today. All you got to do is call out on the name of Jesus, and he's as close as the mention of his name this morning. In the name of Jesus, it's right now, Lord. Come on, right now. Come on. We've been doing it for a couple weeks. I know it's not our tradition. I know it's not our ritual. But you know what it is to press. We've been pressing these last few weeks. This is how we get somewhere. This is how we fight a battle. This is how we maintain our footing in the world. Moses showed us. We've got an example. We've got an example of a man who knew what it was to go into the presence of God and to regain his footing when he had got disappointed, whenever he was lonely, whenever he felt he was standing all alone. We know that we see him and that God met him in that place. Come on right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, this is that moment where we get our vision. This is that moment where we get our reality check. It happens in his presence. We can't duplicate this anywhere else. But we've got to get into the presence of God right now. You don't have to settle for interpreting life and looking at the facts of life just by what's going on in the news or what's going on in your life around you or the people around you. Sometimes we can let the people that are around us start to dictate the facts of our life when what we really need to do is we need to go to that tent, to that tabernacle, to that place in the time of trouble. How he picked me up and he turned me around how he placed my feet on solid ground when i think about the lord how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the holy ghost how he filled me from drama. To the uttermost. None of that's here when right I now. Think about it's just the you Lord. in the presence of God. How he picked me up and he turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Just pause for a second right now. I want to tell somebody we don't have any record of what the conversation looked like between Moses and that tabernacle. We don't know the words that were exchanged, we just know there was an encounter. You don't have to feel embarrassed or, or the least bit hesitant about pressing into the presence of God because it's not going to be a spectacle today. It's going to happen behind that veil where just you and God exist. And all I know from the text is that God is willing to meet with you face to face, just like he meets with a friend. Somebody needs to press into the presence of God in the time we have left together this morning and just have a personal encounter with him. Can we lift up our hands all over this room as they continue to sing? And let's just each do our best to hear from God right now. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It, it doesn't have to be a spectacle. But you need to pierce beyond that veil right now.